We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Friday, November 16th edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper and I are going to catch you up on the last minute news, notes, etc. to get you ready for the weekends. But Packer Seahawks, Derek, I'm just going to let you go, man. Just want to hear what you think. Everything that's on your mind, just let it out. Nothing about that game, the outcome, or the series of steps that brought us to that outcome surprised me at all. Yeah. I didn't feel joy when the Packers had a lead. I didn't feel rage when they lost the lead or when they lost the game. I have turned into an emotionless slug when I watch this team because it's so predictable at this point that it can't rile me up anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm like emotionally dead from watching the same mistakes happen over and over again. Hmm. All right, so fourth and two, he decides to punt. You're watching and you're going... Of course he did. Right. I mean, he, he doesn't realize that with one timeout and four and change left that you're probably not getting the ball back and the game's over. He doesn't realize. He doesn't know that. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't realize he just waved the white flag. We all know that. But he doesn't know that. Oh, man. It's, it's rough. It's, it's, this, is, this is bad news. But see, really the, and he said, he said after the game, he was, they were playing the numbers. They went by the right, numbers. They were, they were playing the numbers. Like, what numbers were you playing, Mike? Were you? Does he go to a roulette wheel and think that he's going to win? <laughs> he, he must, right? He must expect to win playing roulette all the time. Mike McCarthy must be the guy that walks up to the table, sees five reds in a row, and says, well, it's got to be black, and just throws all his money on black, and it comes up red again. And he's like, well, why did I lose? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't get it. Like, it, it's just... I, I'm kind of done making fun of him because I've told all the jokes, I've expressed all my rage, and I have nothing left. And it's um, it's increasingly easy for me on Thursdays, Sundays, and Mondays to root for me and to not really care about anything else with regard to the football. All right. Um, let's get into two. So other, two other things from that game. 
Uh, Jimmy Graham, broken thumb. We don't know what his story is. Uh, doesn't sound good. And Aaron Jones, that was that was a bright spot, right? Eleven to one in terms of carry volume, catching passes. Uh, it's weird that he, you know, they couldn't use him like that earlier in the season. It's weird that they couldn't just put him on the field this much after the suspension. We had to do the Jamal Williams, Ty Montgomery thing for as long as we did. Um, they, this team doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs. When when you're a franchise who thinks you're in good hands with Mike McCarthy as your head coach, you deserve to have a less than ideal outcome. Right. And in the last few years, that's been falling short in you know, the wild card round or NFC championship game. Uh, this year, it's going to be even worse. They've had some injuries. They, I mean, I think they, they miss Randall Cobb a little bit on offense, even though he's not peak Randall Cobb anymore. Marquez Velda's scantling was a ghost last night. That was kind of weird. Yep. And then, uh, oh, the other thing that really bothered me, even though I'm, you know, I'm dead inside when it comes to football, is the lack of a challenge on the non-catch that Tyler Lockett made. That that diving catch, the ball popped loose. I know you only got one timeout left. That to me, that goes beyond McCarthy. Whoever your video analyst is, failed you miserably yep. in that spot. Like that's that's a huge mistake to not have challenged that. And that's a team effort. It's not just McCarthy. But uh, at least there's a few things you can take away. I mean, Seattle got Doug Baldwin really involved again. He should have had two touchdowns. Wilson actually overthrew him on one. And Chris Carson looks like the clear-cut lead dog in the three-man backfield right now, just based on the usage last night, at least as far as the carries go. Right. Okay. Um, I'm going to leave Derek alone on the Packers and move on to other things. Uh, check us out on Twitter. He's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at Halpin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get the player updates at Rotowire NFL. And you can always follow us or like us on Facebook. All right, let's get to the rest of week 11. We covered game by game on Thursday. You can listen to that if you'd like. Uh, today, we're just going to kind of go over the, you know, some outstanding things, recommend some uh, deep, not sleepers. We don't use that word anymore, but you know what I mean. First up, Ravens. John Harbaugh, KG John Harbaugh. He's not telling us anything about his quarterback today, is he? No, he's he's a clever, clever shrew also. So um, I wish him nothing but the best as he tries to outwit other NFL coaches in the weeks ahead. Did you see what he said? Did you see what his 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 money quote today was? No, no. What did he say today? To quote the A-team, I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys. This, this, Who remembers this the A-team listeners? Who remembers the TV show? Come on. Anybody? I remember more of Family Guy uh, parodying the, the A-team more than the original A-team just because of my, my age. Yeah. You know, the, the time of my existence didn't overlap the A-team at its peak or anything. Oh, I watched the A-team all right. Woo. Yep. Mr. T. Man. <laughs> He was a big deal. I have a friend who has a photo. He was in Vegas with some buddies for a weekend. This is a long time ago. And he said, you know, he got some pictures. And he said, you got to see this picture I got. And it's him and a friend, three people in the picture. My friend Matt on one side, his buddy on the other side, and Mr. T in the middle sitting poolside at, I think, Caesar's Palace with their basically sitting on the edge of the pool with their legs in the water. <laughs> that's pretty great it was the greatest thing ever i feel like one of my my most disappointing things in life is actually not having that cool i was hanging with a celebrity sort of moment yeah yeah you know like i i don't the, the fantasy community doesn't bump into a lot of celebrities because mm-hmm. um, we're all I, nerds hanging out in our basements so right, ninety nine percent of the time that's <laughs> accurate, and the one percent of the time that we get out in public, we do we do bump into people occasionally. the 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 coolest celebrity that I have have met and spent a little bit of time with is our buddy Ian Khan, who comes on the baseball podcast we yep. do sometimes. General General Washington from Turn uh, Washington Spies on AMC. Uh, he's he's the he's actually like the the most famous person I think I've ever spent time with, which that, that's awesome because if I hadn't actually talked to Ian. It would be literally nobody famous. Yep. Ian, Ian is a fantastic dynasty player. He is. He's a very, very he's, good dynasty player. I'm in a league with him, and there are other good players. I'm not. I'm a mediocre player. Um, and I think he won the league by 20 points this year. Yeah. He uh, he um, co-owns a team in the Rotowire Dynasty League with, with our prospect guy, James Anderson. And as a duo, they're, they're going to be a pain for everybody to deal with. 
as long as that league exists. I'm I'm convinced. But yeah, I mean the the A team. That's a that's a great pull for Harbaugh. And here's the, the here's the thing that Mario Puig pointed out to me on the XM show, and I, I just didn't, didn't really think of it this way. He said the Ravens have these drives where they bring in Lamar Jackson in the red zone just for plays early in game sometimes. How would he not be the guy they would choose to start a game if Flacco can't play? Like If you trust him enough on the most important part of the field, why would you not trust him ahead of your third-string quarterback? Yep. I right? It's, it's really, it's, I mean, it's, it seems like, but yet it, it, it's football. It, it's, it's, it's something we, we can't, we can't fully process the decision-making logic of most head coaches in the league. So there's some doubt there that if Flacco doesn't play, that it might really might not be Lamar Jackson. Unless they explicitly say that Lamar Jackson is starting, I find it really difficult to use him in super flex leagues and, and in DFS. And I want to use him in DFS. I want to play him in a tournament. I want to so use him as my cheap quarterback so, so I can jam in everything else. So does everyone. Right, but it, it's still so it's so cheap. It was like when Nick Chubb was cheap when he, he got the starting job after the Hyde trade, where even if you think oh, this is flawed, people are going to use him too much, you go ahead and just do it in, in tournaments, and then you, you load up elsewhere, and you, you find little twists. You find the other expensive players. Get away from Zeke or get away from something else chalky and load up because of the savings you get from running Jackson out there. And I don't think he stacked Jackson with a receiver, by the way, if he does start. I think you just roll him out there solo and, and pile up value everywhere else. Okay, so I, I don't remember how much we talked about this on Thursday. If you own the Ravens receivers, wh- what it, what is your outlook on this with either quarterback? If you have Crabtree or Brown, let's say, Snead is kind of a... You know, hopefully you're not stuck playing Snead. If you if if you're stuck in a situation where you might play Snead, you probably have to play him. You know what I mean? Um, but for Brown and Crabtree, do you look at this and say, "I'd rather have Green uh, Griffin. I'd rather have Jackson." Or either way, I'm doing the same thing. I think I would be more inclined to, in season long, bench all of my receivers if Jackson starts than I would be otherwise. Okay, because I think they're changing the offense. I think they're going to be. It really Alex Collins heavy and you know Jackson's value is going to come from his own running ability so I think they're going to use a lot of RPO and a lot of quick and intermediate passes so if you want to take a chance on somebody maybe it'd be like full point PPR maybe Sneed's that guy I would actually kind of go the other way though if I were if you said you have to pair one of the Ravens pass catchers with Jackson I think it's John Brown I mean he's fifth in the league in air yards right now he can do so much damage into the catch you can hit him on a quick route and he can just burn his guy and score from anywhere on the field. Like that's the kind of burner that John Brown is. I think that would be the Ravens receiver of choice if I had to play one, but I'm not opting into that for DFS. Okay. Um, by the way, our player page for Lamar Jackson, it quotes Jason Luckin for us as saying that Jackson is in line to start that basically the hunch here is that Jackson will start. So, I, I yeah, still, and then I, he, I'll believe it when I see it. He had that stomach issue. I mean, yeah. I'm not I'm not trying to rip any reporters that that are out there and trying to get scoops, but unless it's like Schefter or Glazer or Harbaugh saying it himself or Marty Morningwig saying it, I don't think I trust it. Like I, I don't, yeah. I just don't think that's enough for me. Do you, do you know? I, I don't know if you saw this. Um, I saw Ian Rappaport on. I don't know if it was late Thursday, early Friday. And they were talking about the situation about that, it, you know, we don't know what's going to happen yet. And he kind of said, he didn't say who he thought would start. He, but he did say that there is some frustration with the Ravens as to where Jackson, you know, at the, the stage he's at in his development to the point where this is Rapport again. He basically said, look, if Sunday morning I hear that RG3 is starting, I'm not going to be surprised. Which makes me like the way Rapport's been running lately. He's he's having a bit of a a bumpy patch. Mm-hmm. I, I would I'd be inclined if he says that Griffin's going to start, then I'd be inclined to assume that it is Lamar Jackson. Right, and, and he didn't say it. he just was sort of saying you know there there is some you know it, it's not a slam dunk is kind of where he was going based on what he's heard about Jackson in general around the Ravens. So mm-hmm. take that as you'd like. Um, all right, injuries. 
Um, AJ Green out again. Deion Jones not coming back for the Falcons. Um, we were, they were hoping he'd be back. He's not back. Uh, Redskins again without Jameson Crowder and Chris Thompson. Um, I, I, that's just a tough spot for them again. I think they got lucky against the Bucks because the Bucks turned the ball over and that they're going to get their heads kicked in by the Texans a little bit. Um, Royce Freeman back for the Broncos. Stefan Diggs cleared to play for the Vikings. Sounds like uh, Dustin Hoffman, uh, Hopkins, Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hopkins, the Redskins kicker, had a groin issue. If you have him and you're playing a kicker, it sounds like he's going to go. Same with Matt Bryant on the Falcons. Uh, the to be determines. So Sammy Watkins mispracticed today. What's the story there? He was he practiced earlier in the week, and now he's out again. And I got to make a fishbowl roster edit again. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Um, I, I thought he was tracking towards being good to go. So that's definitely a surprise. I think there's a good chance they rest him, but he does have the extra day. So keep that in mind with the Monday game, right. Saturday's practice, gonna, equal on a Friday. They're going to rest him against the Rams? Well, I mean, if, if, if he had a setback, they're going to back off him because they want him healthy for the next six-plus weeks as opposed to pushing him through it 60% and, and risking things getting worse. So... Right. I have a backup plan ready, but yes. double check Saturday. Because Jeff Stotts said this on the XM show today too, where it's like we're at the point in the year where preventative maintenance is increasingly important for guys that have pre-existing injuries, and I think we need to not overreact to guys popping up on the injury report. You know, Thursday for most players, or Friday for the guys that play Monday. Yeah, but we also need to make sure that we have necessary coverage because. You know, maybe eighty percent of the time it is preventative maintenance, but twenty percent of the time it's a legitimate setback. Fair enough. Okay, so Sammy Watkins. Yeah, if if it's a game time decision, if it becomes that on Saturday, which is when we'll probably hear his status. Um, like if he's ruled out, we'll probably hear it then. If it's a game time decision or something, you're you're late. You know, you you, you put him in the flex if you can, and your late game decision is probably like Chris Conley. Or maybe yeah. one of the tight end, maybe like, you know, Gerald Everett if it's a flex or something. Yeah, I mean, ideally you'd have Josh Reynolds. He's probably owned. Chris Conley would be second, I think, and then Everett would be third. Right. I mean, I think Sammy Watkins is not good enough that you really want to hold out and say, yeah, I have to wait on him unless your backups are really bad. Maybe you got major bye week issues, but I mean, if you're in a league where Cole Beasley is available, Beasley yeah. against the Falcons. Beasley's not a guy I normally like. I think I'd rather just throw Beasley out there mm-hmm. if it looks like Watkins is a game time decision than have to take a fallback option of Chris Conley if Watkins doesn't play. Totally I think I'd rather that. have that that Beasley floor as just kind of one example. Okay. Um, other people. Uh, John Ross questionable. Sounds like he's going to play. Uh, the Texans are hoping to get Kiki to QT back. He's a game time decision. Chris Godwin was look, is looking a little shaky for the Bucks. He's not playing that much anyway. Marvin Jones is a big one. Um, what do you think the Lions do? Marvin Jones is knee bottom last week. They thought it might be really serious. Turns out it's not. They've been calling him day to day, but now there's reports about him going to seek a second opinion. And when you hear that on a Friday, that's a huge red flag. Yeah, that's definitely not good. It was TJ Jones that was actually second in snap counts among receivers last week for the Lions. So, I mean, I think he gets on the field a lot more. He becomes one of those lottery ticket type plays if you were just really scrambling in a deep, like, fishbowl-sized league, which most people don't play in a league that big. Uh, I don't know if there's anything there from a DFS perspective. And I I genuinely wonder if uh, Theo Riddick ends up on the field a lot more than usual. You know, maybe lining up out of the slot and, and contributing as a receiver, so you could have Riddick and Carryon Johnson both out there together if Jones is, you know, out or even just significantly limited. But it it doesn't sound good for Marvin Jones at this point. Right. Um, if Jones is out, over or under ten point five targets for Kenny Galladay. You know, I think I'd take the over, but he'd get uh, probably a lot of James Bradbury, right? He probably would. Yes. Trait going to be on uh, on eleven or twelve targets with James Bradbury in coverage? Is that going to be a five to six catch game despite the heavy target load? I think it might. It it probably will be because I think Bradbury is he would struggle more with the the fast guys. He's sort of a rangy, um, good player, but the speed he's not a super speedy. He's more tall and athletic and can fight the bigger guys, which Galladay kind of fits that description. Yeah, I mean, Galladay for a 6'4", he ran a four five forty 
right. uh, back at the combine. So he's he's not slow no. for a big receiver, but he's he's not a burner. I, I think yeah, I think what you're saying is the Tyreek Hills and yes. the T. Y. Hiltons are the kind of guys that get to Bradbury more than the more physical receivers. Even, even though those guys are freaks and run well, he's better suited to match up with a guy like that than the smaller top end speed guys. Absolutely. Um, all right. Streaming defenses, we always like to talk to it. So early in the week, the the popular streaming defense and the one Jake and I talked about on the waiver wire podcast was the Cardinals because they're playing the Raiders. Well, they're up to 85%. So you missed that window, folks. If you're still trying to get a defense, you're going to have to look elsewhere. Um, it's really bad, by the way. Looking, it's, it's a, you know, I do this, you know, you do the prep on Friday for this. And you say, oh, hey, what are the streaming defense options? And it's the same thing with the players at certain positions. You go, oh, my gosh, this is awful. I would hate to have to pick up a guy now. And that's where we are on defense. The best options I have for you, Giants 22% owned versus Fitz. This is Yahoo ownership, by the way. Any, any interest? Could you, would you? Yeah, I think you can because the Bucks offense turns it over a little bit. I mean, there is the possibility that Fitz flops in the first half and they go back to Jameis. That's not out of the question, which to me would be a bump up for the, the Giants defense. And if they got to that point, something had to go right for them for it to happen in the first place. So I think as I look at cheap DFS defenses and very low-owned season-long defenses – the Giants are that sort of desperation call that you, you may have to make in some places. All right. Next up, if Lamar Jackson plays, or maybe if, even if RG3 plays, uh, the Bengals, 13% ownership? Um, I think Jackson is throwing fewer than 25 passes if he starts. Okay. I, I, I think they're just watering it down that much. He's very elusive, so yeah, maybe you get a few sacks. But I think they're going to do everything in their power to reduce the big potential for turnovers with Jackson. And I think that that really limits my interest in the Bengals defense and the Bengals defense not being very good is, is the, other, the other concern. Um, and the last one, dare I say it, you always do want to target a rookie quarterback, right? Whenever possible. <laughs> um, <laughs> Josh, the Raiders against Josh Rosen. Not that time, not because of Rosen being uniquely talented, but Oakland is on the road and they're horrible. They have no pass rush. They have very few playmakers on another another side of the ball. Like I, I just, I'd rather play the Giants. I'd rather play the Saints defense at home against the Eagles. Okay, which I think is at least in DFS, it's a near the bottom option where you're like, well, this game's high to over under total, and the Eagles are good. But who knows? Wentz might throw a couple picks. Like I, I think the Saints do better in that setup than the Raiders do in theirs. Okay, that's fair. So you hate the Raiders' defense is where we are. I, I just think the Raiders are totally lifeless. Yep, I agree. So one of the supposedly one of the players was walking out of the locker room last week, and there were a few media guys in the, you know, underneath in the stadium. And the guy's like, "I got to get out of here." <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I got. I, I, I got to get. I got to get the f out of here. Yeah. <laughs> It's, and you like, didn't yep. get out of the stadium. <laughs> you know what's going to be great is when when Mike McCarthy is coaching the Raiders in like two years and they're paying John Gruden to not coach that team. That's going to be a great day. Vegas Mike McCarthy. Oh, there that's exactly that's exactly what you he, want. He can go to that roulette table. There you go. Yeah, roulette tables on every corner. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to the positional uh, break glass in case of emergency types. Let's start at quarterback. Um, those. Ravens quarterbacks, Jackson is only up to 10% ownership on Yahoo, uh, and RG3 is at 1%. Jake and I talked on Tuesday, and we kind of thought that even with the uncertainty that Jackson was going to get snatched up everywhere, not the case. It didn't, it, it didn't materialize that way, probably because you know people picking up for a bye week went, hey, I probably need a guy who's definitely going to play, and we're not sure that that's Jackson. So um, he's still available if you want him, most likely. So yeah, for for now I'm playing Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick over him in the pentathlon in the Superflex League. I got Marcus Mariota going too. Okay, uh, it's just because of the uncertainty. Like why 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 expect that? Like, I, I have to wait for that confirmation before I can make a switch. But you're swapping him in if he plays, right? Or are you? If he, if he's starting, yeah. Hmm. I think I would. I'm trying to decide. I think it'd be for Mariota. Yeah. 
Okay. I think so. I, I think the Colts are a better team than than I've given them credit for and than many people have given them credit for. Well, you and I went through this yesterday. We went through this exercise of where the line of demarcation is, and you had it around around Eli. Yep. So that means you know, where Lamar Jackson is. Mariota is right in that area. So yeah, it, it, it's not it's not an easy call. <laughs> Looking at those those three guys, if if Jackson gets the start, I'm right. I should make a trade or something and try to protect myself. All right. Um, so Mariota is thirty one percent ownership. Speaking of him uh, at Indy, Blake Bortles twenty two percent. I I'm still not a Bortles hater. I can't bring mm. myself to hate fantasy Blake Bortles. I mean, if I was a Jaguars fan, I'd want to stab myself in the eye watching that guy, but. As a fantasy quarterback, I still don't mind him at all. I think he'll come around. I think he's okay. Yeah. You'll, eventually, you'll, you won't be interested. You think I'll come around? Yeah, I think so. The guy, he was a top 13 fantasy quarterback the last three years. And now he's 18th. Per game, he's 18th. Yeah, maybe maybe he, he's okay at home because they have to put a lot of points up, so he gets more attempts this week. Yeah. It could be worse. You don't think so? I was having this discussion with someone today. I think they can win that game. No, I think they. I think they can too. I was. I thought they were going to win last week, and right, whiffed miserably on that. But this, this is their season. Yes, this is it. Like they, they, they have to come up and play well and win this game. Do you know who Blake Bortles is tied with in fantasy points per game? I guess every league's different, but this is sort of standard. You know, four point touchdown, all that stuff. Uh, probably like Matthew Stafford. Well, he's ahead of Matthew Stafford. He's tied with Tom Brady. Hmm. How about that? Who'd have thought? Yeah. It's almost like not throwing to Gronk in the red zone is hurting Brady. Almost. So Brady's got 400 more yards. Well, the, and actually, he's played one more game. So, you know, the yards per game is probably pretty close. But Bortles has 240 more rushing yards. Hmm. So there you have it. That's, uh, that, that's key. He does kind of sneakily chip in those 30 or 40 rushing yards, and that bumps up his floor a bit. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Eli's 21%. Josh Rosen's 5%. Who's your favorite? Mariota's your favorite. Other than Mariota, who do, who do you love? Other than Mariota, Lamar Jackson. If I give you Bortles, Eli, and Josh Rosen, who would you play? Oh, probably Eli. Okay. I it's think- disgusting. I feel horrible about it. Yeah, it's not great. I think I play Eli and Bortles are really close for me. So, all right. Running back, Josh Adams. This is actually not a bad. I, I, I have, I'm skeptical about how the Eagle, if, if Doug Peterson's telling the truth, but he said last week that Josh Adams is going to run more because of the three running backs. He's the only one running well at all. And he's 30% <laughs> owned on Yahoo. If you're desperate for a bye week running back, he's, 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 he's your, number one target right now if you're still at that point i am desperate i think it's it's a tough matchup in the sense the saints have actually been good against the run but if he ends up getting the volume they put points on the board he gets some carries around the goal line then yeah that becomes a useful spot start even in that situation but i i kind of hope for the sake of the eagles they start to find some consistently consistency offensively going down the stretch I, i still think this is a team that can get hot and be really dangerous at the right time but this is a great test for them going into the uh, the dome this week and, and playing the Saints. All right. Uh, you mentioned Theo Riddick. He's twenty percent owned. I mean, if you're in a PPR league and Marvin Jones is out, someone's got to catch the ball, right? Yeah, someone's got to do it. I mean, I'm looking at the options in the pentathlon right now. I would love if those guys were out there. The the the, the best or most highly owned running back who's freely available in that league is. Buck Allen, 30, 32% owned. That's terrible. Yeah, you don't want that. I mean, the, the thing about Allen, though, is like if, it, if it's the Jackson plan, I think Allen does get propped up a little bit. Um, actually, that made me think of another player. Do you think Ty, if Ty Montgomery is active, do you think what, – what, what do you think happens with Buck Allen and Montgomery? Because Buck Allen, I mean, we, what, we've seen, what we've seen of him, there's a ceiling there, and it's not real high. No, I mean, he's not that good, but I, I think he's a decent pass catcher. I, I think with it'd be 
snaps or less if he plays. Okay. All right. Um, we talked about Alfred Blue yesterday. You don't want anything to do with him. And no. He's six percent owned. Even if he gets twelve carries, you probably don't. You know, it's just not great. And that's it for the running backs are just putrid. Wide receivers are more fun. Anthony Miller is still only thirty nine percent ownership. I'm surprised. I thought more people would go after him this week. Yeah, that's really low. I'm I'm kind of surprised he's not uh, more heavily owned. Willie Sneed still at thirty five percent. Maurice Harris at thirty three percent. Jamison Crowder's out again. They got a bunch of injuries. We talked about that earlier. Cole Beasley at twenty six percent. I mean, there, there's some there's some interesting names to to consider. Yep. Um, Josh Reynolds still hasn't cracked the forty barriers. Thirty nine percent. I know he didn't get the targets when Cup was out, but I mean, he's in a game. He's he's on the Rams, and he's in a game with a sixty three over under. Yeah, you you could you could throw worse darts, and he's going to play. I mean, that's the thing with the other games when Cup was out. He played. He was on the field all the time. They didn't throw to him a lot, but last week they threw him two touchdowns. So I don't know. DJ Moore. I have a feeling this might be a DJ Moore week. He's on waivers in my league. He clears mm-hmm. tomorrow. Thirty-seven mm-hmm. percent on on Yahoo. Lions have been getting gashed by wide receivers, right? Yeah, running backs to train wreck. I'm really, I'm really not over that. I'm still, I'm still kind of down from that position breakdown. Yeah, it's bad. Um, I'm going to check defense versus position again, just to remind ourselves where we are with the points per game. Lions last since week five, Lions are the worst. Have given up the most, thirty-one point seven fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers. So keep, keep keep on keeping on, Lions. Yep. Um, Christian Kirk is thirty-two. They're not throwing to him that much. QT is thirty. Your guy Dante Moncrief is twenty percent owned. I like how he's become my guy. He is your guy. You bring that's, him up every week. You talk about you love talking about Dante Moncrief. Terrific. I'm I'm really glad I've I've made that impression <laughs> on everybody. <laughs> your guy. I mean, like it's it's so much more fun when your guy is like Patrick Mahomes, who you called before the season is around twelve pick, you know, and I'm saying your guy is is Dante Moncrief. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's lovely. That's that's like being the guy. Like, oh yeah, he's the guy that always brings the Michelob Ultra to the party. <laughs> you know, you know who? By the way, the guy, uh, the the person who give, I give all the credit to for telling for really getting me more excited about Mahomes was uh, Jim Coventry. Nice. He convinced yeah. me. He completely convinced me on one show. He sat. We, we talked for five minutes about why Patrick Mahomes was going to blow up. Not like this. But, and when he finally got me all the, you know, the arm strength and the weapons and this and that and, and Andy Reid and, oh, by the way, their defense is terrible. I went, oh, yeah, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, the, the hitters count is definitely there with that Chiefs team. The defense has been better than, than I expected. I, 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 I think when you, on a per play basis, they're, they're still not great, but they're, they're allowing six yards per play. It's the same as the Rams. You know, it's within shouting distance of the Panthers and the Seahawks. So they're they're not horrible defensively, but they're still bad enough where the Chiefs get to kind of keep their foot on the gas pedal on a regular basis. All right, tight end. Uh, this is from Hunger. I mentioned I, yesterday I mentioned James O'Shaughnessy, and I'm literally starting him in a deep league. He's 1% owned. What did he catch, five passes last week for the Jags? I mean, yeah, everybody's uh, talking about O'Shaughnessy. That's everybody else's guy. Like cheap tight end for DFS, two tight end leagues, fourteen team, one tight end bye week issue leagues. I mean, James O'Shaughnessy. I um, I don't have him anywhere. So do with that uh, what you may. Well, he is. Let me see what he did last week. Let me just confirm the numbers. He got. He had five. Catches for 46 yards on six targets. In the last three games that he's played, target number 646. Not bad. Not bad. Playable. I mean, my fishbowl... I'm sorry, everybody, bore you with the fishbowl one more more time. My tight ends, Kittle, Herndon, Jeff Swaim, and O'Shaughnessy. The perfect storm. Good grief. That's hideous. All right. Um, Rick Seals Jones, 30% ownership, by the way. I know they're funneling everything to David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald, but Rick Seals Jones may be finally starting to get a little more love. And, and as we say every week, it's not like you'd be picking him over anyone good unless you have one of the top four or five guys. So the DFS value report. Um, I was a little disappointed in the value report that I looked at because I complain every week that because of the pricing – 
it's so much more fun to get the value on DraftKings than FanDuel. Mm-hmm. But DraftKings did the same thing as FanDuel this week. I'm looking at value, Christian McCaffrey. Great, thanks. That's a big help. <laughs> well, Nothing that, against that, uh, the value report, but geez. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. So there's two ways it can change, too. The projection can go up or yeah. the price can go down. Like Those are the two ways to create that value. Uh, okay, so here's the here's the... If you didn't listen to the DFS pod, here's the general take from that. The number of eight thousand dollar running backs this week that are all in good spots is very high. Are we are we are on which site? Sorry, uh, DraftKings or FanDuel? I think that's, I think it's going to apply mostly to both. But let's say FanDuel. Okay. So you have Zeke, who everybody loves. Yeah. Saquon Barkley is a little more expensive at eighty eight hundred. Everybody loves him. McCaffrey, no one's staying away from him this week. Camara, uh, uh, highest implied total on the main slate. Uh, Melvin Gordon, kind of a forgotten guy, relatively speaking. And that whole group, you know, you, you want you want exposure. David Johnson, 7,900. He's even cheaper over on DraftKings. He's going to pop up in a ton of lineups. Scott suggested that maybe David Johnson is the highest on running back this week since he's got the matchup against the Raiders. And yeah. Byron Leftwich seems to use him more like Bruce Arians did. And you got James Conner, who's also in the $8,000 club at 8200 He's in the 7200 price point, I believe, on DraftKings. You're going to have a couple of those guys who get ignored, even though there's not much that separates them from each other price-wise or projection-wise. Okay. So your tournament build, you don't have to go ultra-contrarian, don't pay up for running backs, find cheap running backs, pay up for receivers. You can pay up for other running backs and stay on some of the somewhat chalky cheap receivers and tight ends if you want to like it's just kind of an interesting week in that regard and the, the conclusion we came to yesterday on the dfs pod maybe let me know if you agree with this james connor of all of those guys probably gets ignored the most just just because people have this perception that jacksonville's defense is still outstanding and the way they use him he's underpriced. Like it, it just seems like he's actually the best value of that entire group. Yep. Um, the Alex Collins thing is really jumping out at me. Yeah. Collins. I mean, the Bengals are bad against the run. Mm-hmm. The Ravens Flacco's officially doubtful. I just saw that on the site. I don't know if that was what you said earlier, yes. but if that if that's new. Jackson would theoretically make Collins's job a little easier. Because you have to defend the edge. You can't right. just give that up just to stuff the run inside. And I don't think Collins is a bad player anyway. So the matchup is good. The situation could be better. The volume might be up. And the price is really low on Alex Collins. Would you rather play? Well, I guess it's kind of it's a different sort of question. Let's all refocus it. Are you more comfortable with Alex Collins at 6000 on FanDuel? Or are you more comfortable... Playing Dion Lewis at fifty nine hundred on FanDuel. I think I'd rather play Alex Collins because Lewis's touch volume is safer. Yep, but the situation for for Alex Collins is really good. Alex Collins, the the fantasy points against. Let me pull it up right here. In the, since again, just let's week five, just for the sake of argument, because I want to get a decent number of games in without going to beginning of the season. The Browns are the second worst team in points against to running backs, giving up twenty five point seven points per game, fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. The Bengals have given up thirty one point three. That is somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty five percent more fantasy points allowed over the last five or six weeks than the next worst team. That's Terrible. a lot. It's a lot. Four receiving touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns. And they've allowed okay. 967 yards from scrimmage over the last five games to opposing running backs. I mean, they played the Saints in there. I know that. It's, it's bad. They're struggling. Yeah, so. that's that's not pretty at, at all. I mean, like that's a, that's a big, big trouble spot for that. That Bengals defense, and uh, I think you can you can take full advantage. I think you can go ahead and lean pretty heavily on Alex Collins this week, even if you want to use him as a flex in DFS. 
and pay up for two other good running backs. I think that's perfectly viable. But if you want to be a little more different in your build, Lewis and Collins and then one of the elite backs and then paying up more at receiver and tight end might be the way you go. There you go. All right, let's go quarterback. Uh, Since I looked an hour ago, right now I'm talking 335 Eastern on Friday. Jackson's jumped up to the top of the value meter on FanDuel. Anyway, he is at uh, his salary seven thousand, where Cam is eighty six hundred, Goff is eighty three hundred. Does it surprise you? I know the pricing is different. Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's salary is higher than Eli Manning's. Yeah, Eli has a good matchup, and the optimizer doesn't care how bad Eli Manning is. Doesn't have to watch Eli Manning with human eyes, <laughs> so it. It just looks at the salary and the projection and the opponent, and it says, no, this Eli Manning fellow looks like a good play this week. And we all look at that result, and we say, what? Get out of here, bot. You're out of your mind. See, Stop now, drinking. The, so the, the way it works, Liz talked about this one day, that the, the computer spits out the data and the projections and then we can integrate some human opinion into it that can only move the player, what, 5 or 10%? We can, yeah, we can modify projections with the optimizer uh, manually, and any of us as we're going through. Do you, do you think Liz just looks at Eli every week and says, down 5%, down? Just, he doesn't even think about who the opponent is or what's going on. He just says, lower him. He, he hits, hits the red so X. Now. He hits the red he X. Hits, <laughs> he hits the red X and gets rid of him, just deletes him. Um. So Lamar Jackson's at the top of the list on FanDuel. Um, Cam and Goff and Wentz are next up, followed by Eli. It's kind of interesting. I'll just, I'm just going to bounce back and forth at the position today. I'm going to do it a little differently. On DraftKings, Jackson's top of the list again now. See, now DraftKings is where it's interesting because he's 4,700. And the other guys are, let's say, Breeze, for the sake of argument, is 6,500. So where's Cam? Cam's 62. So you save a lot of money using Lamar Jackson on DraftKings. So makes it a lot more interesting. Um, go ahead. The, the Jackson thing on DraftKings, it's going to be popular because he doesn't yeah. have to do a lot to make value at 4,700. The ownership rate, is the ownership rate on Jackson in tournaments going to be the highest of any quarterback this week because of the way the other quarterbacks are priced? Mm, who else? Cam's at a uh, Cam sixty two hundred. It's expensive. Right. Cam sixty two, Ryan sixty one, Breeze sixty five, went sixty three. Like they're all within five hundred dollars of each other. Like they're they're all very playable. That's, I think Cam's I think that, I think that be spreads very popular. it around. Yeah, I think it spreads it around too. But I think Cam's going to be pretty popular. Like fifteen percent or higher on Cam. I I don't know. That's that's your that 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 that's your area of expertise more than mine. And believe me, I'm a I'm a noob when it comes to really predicting what the whole pool is going to try and pull off. But I get the sense that Jackson's going to be just heavily targeted in GPPs because that's such a low price for a guy that can he can make value just with his legs. Like he could run for 50 yards and a touchdown and throw for like 120. And at 4,700, you're just crushing everything else in your lineup with high salary pieces. Let me see if Cam's got an ownership. I can't find any ownership projections right now, and I'm not going to look for them now. Okay. Next up, running backs. Um, we are still on DraftKings. The value meter, chalky at the top, which is Zeke McCaffrey, Connor, then Deion Lewis, to what you said earlier. Um, Collins is a few slots back after the Camaras of the world. I had Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller is only forty six hundred. That that's like. Do you think they price Lamar Miller every week just to try to sucker us in? That's what I feel like. <laughs> I don't think they care. I mean, like they they care. They they want to make the pricing good so that the the best players don't dominate all the time. Right. I just want to think of a conspiracy just with Lamar Miller and not with anything else because it's more fun for me. I just don't think they care about Lamar Miller that much. Because I go, oh, I, now I'm going to start Lamar Miller. This is it. And he did have that one good game on Thursday night. Other than that, he's just a huge disappointment. <sighs> anyway. It's so easy Capri to talk Bibbs. yourself out of him. Capri Bibbs, 3,500, is one of the top 10 running backs on the value meter. It's because of the Chris Thompson absence. You look yep. at a couple games this year. He's had four and five targets in uh, two of the last four games. And 
three games on DraftKings where he's hit double-digit fantasy points in the last four. So you, that's that moves the needle. Right. Um, it's tournament flex salary relief. That's that's what it is. But um, I I understand why he pops up as a value. It's all about Thompson not being there. Um, on FanDuel, man, Gurley with a salary more than that's nineteen or seventeen hundred dollars higher than the next guy is still at the top of the value meter. He's at ten thousand six hundred. Yeah, uh, and he's kind of hidden on the Sunday Monday slate too, where it, right, not a lot of people are playing those and even getting a chance to build with him in it. But because of that Monday night game, are you more interested in playing the Sunday Monday slate than you ordinarily would be? So you can build out Rams and Chiefs stacks and then just litter in the cheap players you like from Sunday. But or or to go against the Rams and Chiefs stacks. And to fade them. But like, right. the prize pools are so much smaller yeah. for Sunday Monday. That's true. I mean, everyone's gonna do that. It's like, oh, okay, you're gonna play in a Sunday Monday game and everyone's gonna have four guys from the Monday game. Yeah. So I don't know. Um Melvin Gordon's up. It's Gurley, McCaffrey, Elliott, Gordon, Barkley. I'm trying to see any cheaper. Tree Cohen's in the top 10. Mm, maybe. Um, Dalvin Cook's just below him. I don't know if I'm buying that. There's not a lot of not a lot of interesting guys here. You know what's interesting? Who's not he's not in the green area, so I'm not gonna talk about it. I was gonna say Peyton Barber, but he's he's not middle of the pack, but he's a little he's a little higher. He's too he's too far down. Yeah, I think only Cohen and Deion Lewis are the interesting budgetary guys that you can look at. Um, DraftKings, running backs. Come on, load page. There we go. Yeah, Zeke's up at the top. McCaffrey, Connor, then Deion Lewis again. And and Collins, who we talked about. So, I'm not finding anything. Austin Eckler. Why? Why do you think? Um, big enough favorite, and when they when they roll, he he gets closer to double digit touches. And Denver's been pretty generous to opposing backs. So, as long as that price stays right around four K, I think that's what's going to keep flashing um, Austin Eckler onto the value report. I'm looking at our weekly projections. Peyton Barber twenty because I saw Barber's name. Barber twenty sixth. Eckler Eckler twenty eighth at running back. Which is kind of aggressive, I think. Um, all right, DraftKings wide receivers. Michael Thomas, a clear favorite here. With the Eagles secondary banged up, he's 8,800 on DraftKings. Michael Thomas is a clear favorite here, ahead of, noticeably ahead of Julio, T.Y. Hilton, and Odell Beckham. And then Corey Davis, by the way. Corey Davis is Corey da- popular, though. Yep, he will be. And T.Y. Hilton, by the way, He's third on this list. He's so much cheaper. He's 6,100, where the other guys are 80. Thomas is 88. Julio's 85. Do you think there's a TY blow up game coming soon? Yes. I have visions of him just running right by Malcolm Butler and, and scoring like a 65 yard touchdown this week. Okay. Um, the other interesting name $3,000 DraftKings, Seth Roberts. Is seventh on the value meter. I really thought you were going to bring up Amari Cooper. No. His price is reasonable. It's cheaper than Corey Davis. Playing Falcons, who's not, you know, no super tough guys against passing games. 18 targets in his two games with the Cowboys. 13 and a half DK points last time out against the Eagles. 16.8 in his debut against the Titans. Yep. Shootout expected. A game where Dallas may have to throw just to keep up. With Atlanta's offense, I mean, there's there I, there have been worse Amari Cooper calls made on this show by this particular host. Yes, I agree by both of us. Um, Fanduel wide receivers value meter. We have got Michael Thomas, Beckham, Tyreek, Mike Evans. Give me someone interesting. Meter. Corey Davis is about tenth. Kenny Galladay's about nah. There's there's no interesting values here. Let's go to tight end. There are no guys in green at tight end. Yeah, tight end stinks. Yep. The only guys not in red are Kelsey, Ertz, Doyle, Olsen, Cook, Reed. Everybody and else is basic. The meter is saying, hey, 
don't take this guy at all. And you can't even get Kelsey outside of it, you know, on the main slate. So that, that right. doesn't really apply for a lot of people too. So that makes it even worse. The, the here's the question at tight end. If you're not paying up, who do you like? If you're just going to go ugly. James Doyle, sorry. Doyle's cheap. Like, oh, you know, Shaughnessy, yeah, Shaughnessy's 4,000 flat on FanDuel. Jack Doyle's 5,400. There's a bunch of other, like, $5,000 tight ends. Like, there's Ricky Seals Jones, yep. Vance McDonald. Maybe you could throw Johnny Smith into that conversation. I kind of wish he was in the $4,000 range, but I'm sorry. Back to back Ricky Seals Jones is, is the one for me. Okay. On FanDuel, he's really cheap. And he's starting to get the ball a little bit. I mean, Johnny Smith, you know, that was a fluky play last week, right? Where I think he he's good. They, get, they, they should get him more involved. I think he's a good player. I think he's very athletic. Yeah, good luck getting them to do that because they don't seem to agree with you. Because behind Corey Davis and Deion Lewis's targets out of the backfield, that's pure chaos. With, yep. You know, who's next in line for looks? One week it was sharp. Yeah, it's all, all over the place. I agree. I mean, you kind of hoped when when Walker went out, you went, "All right, hey, John Smith." Nope. I mean, he got that and that red zone. You know, what was it? The one yard line or the two yard line? They were on. The Mariota rolled out and threw to him. But um, nah, Ricky Seals Jones twenty nine hundred. I mean, he's Ricky Seals Jones is two hundred more than John Smith. That's not even a question for me. The, the paying down on DraftKings at tight end is so much more palatable because there's 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 so many guys closer to the salary floor. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, on FanDuel, yeah, you're saving some money, but you're still paying like high fours, low fives for guys that may only get five targets. So that doesn't feel right. Right. All right. I'm going to put in DraftKings. You're, you're, running, you're, running, you're running an optimal lineup here? I was going to run an optimal lineup, but I'm having some technical difficulties right now. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll get a FanDuel optimal lineup going. Okay. I'm gonna lock in a couple things. We're building for a tournament in uh, in the FanDuel, and then I'm putting together. Right. Let's see. What can we do here? What's gonna be interesting? What do you, what are you what are you putting together? Who are you locking in for DraftKings? I'm gonna lock in Ricky Seals Jones because it's fun. I can't. I can't lock anyone in. Sorry, folks. Technical difficulties. Not getting this done right now. Okay. Well, that, that happens sometimes. I'm going to go Wentz and Ertz, which, whatever, it's popular, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find other ways to get off chalk elsewhere. I'm going to go Wentz, Ertz, Deion Lewis, because I think everyone's ticked off about last week, which I think the optimizer would give them to, they'd throw them in my lineup anyway. And well, Mike Evans, he's still cheap, 7,400. That game should be a shootout. And one last call. Let's say Amari Cooper. I'm going to run that. Like that, way, that way I'm off, I'm off the Zeke plan for this tournament lineup, even though it just tried to tell me to play Zeke with one of my available running back spots. All right, so it returned Wentz, who I locked in, with Zeke, David Johnson, Deion Lewis. You know, one of those guys can go in the flex. Evans and Cooper, I locked in. It spit back Christian Kirk at 5,100. It's a low price for a guy that's been getting decent target volume. Six and a half targets per game over the last four. Raiders' pass defense is really bad. If you believe in Ricky Seals-Jones, mm-hmm. you should theoretically be comfortable pivoting to Christian Kirk as well. Right. That's true. I don't think I want two Cardinals in my lineup. I don't still no. think that. They're not, they, they, they should win. They should score. But I, I think if you're playing David Johnson, you're not pairing him with another Cardinal. That doesn't seem smart. So I'm gonna I'm only gonna X out Kirk because I don't want him there. I don't I don't want Zeke if I have a Wentz Ertz combo. I don't think that works. So I need to I need to X out Zeke and I need to lock in James Conner. That's my that's my sneaky air quotes expensive running back that I think you get at lower ownership than some of the other big name backs that we all like. So now it comes back with Wentz, Connor, who I locked in, David Johnson, Deion Lewis. Lewis might be a little popular, but Johnson should be pretty popular. Evans, Amari Cooper, John Brown, who I think everyone's going to stay away from if it is Jackson. Ertz, 
and the Saints defense, which doesn't make sense if you're going Wentz Ertz, so that's got to be replaced. Let's try that one more time. What defense are you going to give me now, Optimizer? Cardinals. Oh, but it gave me Ryan Grant instead of John Brown. Gross. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. Well, all right. So we've, we've got we've got some we've got some ideas. All right. My DraftKings lineup. I put in Collins and Ricky Seals Jones. Gave me back Eli, McCaffrey, and Zeke, plus Alex Collins, Michael Thomas, T.Y. Hilton, Corey Davis, and the Saints defense. You can't play Eli naked. You can't. Yep. You got to pair him with somebody. You have, you'd have you have to lock in Beckham. If you really wanted to be weird, you could lock in like Evan Ingram or something for tournaments. I'll do Beckham. See what it says to me. All right. So Eli McCaffrey, Zeke, Collins, Beckham, Evans, Kirk, Seals. Come on. Last it month, loves folks. Kirk. Really does. Yeah, I mean... It's it's just seeing too much projection per dollar on some of the Cardinals, and I think that I think that just needs to be needs to be a little more careful about the the amount of exposure it's giving us to a team like that. All right, so now it's Zeke, Connor, Collins with Eli Beckham, Hilton, Davis, Ricky Seals, Jones, and the Cardinals defense. So I don't know if I like Seals, Jones, and the Cardinals defense together, but I'm not going to keep reloading while people that does that doesn't bother me. That that part like I don't, I'm okay with. Cardinals defense at home. I think there's you know, defensive touchdown upside. There's sack upside, turnover potential. The Raiders do have that quit look to them. So I think I think the Cardinals with Ricky Seals Jones or with David Johnson, like it's fine to have two exposures to Arizona if one is the defense. Okay, got it. All right, folks, we're gonna wrap it. Um, what else you got going on, Derek? What are you doing this weekend? Um, I, I gotta like rebuild my apartment. It's been, it's been a busy week at work, so nothing's been done. So it's like, a, it's the weekend of chores that I'm just trying to get everything done before the games kick off on Sunday. So Got I it. can enjoy the games and not have to wash dishes while I watch the game and stuff like that. You know, that, that happens some weeks where you're, you're just, you're stuck doing multiple things while you watch. And I'm really trying to avoid that. All right. Well, you got anything good at your house? You got some some food in the smoker or something? Nothing in the smoker. Uh, my daughter's uh, confirmation is Saturday, so we're having people over and hanging out and stuff like that. So that's it. And you don't and you don't have something in the smoker for that occasion? No, we got food from. We're just getting subs and taking it easy. We're not making. That's, we're not adding to the degree of difficulty on this particular event. That is smart. Yeah, we decided we got smart because a lot of times you know you try to do that and you're like, oh, I'm going to make this and that and this, and then at the end you go, like, man, I'm tired. So, not so. Uh, I leave you this week with advice from the barefoot Contessa, who, <laughs> as a, as a world-renowned event planner, has told us to not do not make all of the things for your own party. Pick some of the things up already made. Yes. So, if you are, for example, having a taco bar, you don't have to make the guacamole. You can get it from a local place if you want to get a big tray of it. As one example. Yep. I think that's good advice. So help yourself a little bit. Like, yeah, home makes some of it, but don't don't rely on you and the people closest to you to do all the cooking. Totally agree. The one thing I'm making for tomorrow is Italian baked beans. That's it. There you go. You, you you've you've already followed the Barefoot Contessa's advice. Thank you, thank you, Barefoot Contessa. That's good it, stuff. It can, it can only be a terrific party as a result. <laughs> all right. Folks, listeners to our podcast, get a free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Take a look now, rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, please leave us reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. We always appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. We will be back on Monday. Tim and I will review the Sunday game, so please come on back then. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. Good luck in Week 11. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful, time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. 
Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.